On today's podcast, take 31, Waiting for the Sun and the Soft Parade by the Doors. Trust the Wizards present Robert Pollard's Guide to the Late 60s. Before going on tour with his band, Guided by Voices, in 2001, Robert Pollard recorded his favourite records onto 62 double-sided cassettes. Music from 1966 to 1971, from the best-known bands of the era to obscure, unheard-of psychedelic curios. The Wizards are on a mission to listen to and explore every groove. Kicker and Chorizo invite you to turn off your mind, relax and float downstream as you listen to Robert Pollard's guide to the late 60s. I just want to check, Kicker, um, is, is everybody in? The ceremony is about to begin. Well, uh, it may well be about to begin, but it's just me and you. Ah, OK, well, we're both here. But, but I need to remind you that your ballroom days are over, baby. Oh, yes, indeed, indeed. Uh, they never really started, to be, if, I'm, if I'm honest. Tell us about these albums, then. Well, so we're going we're gonna to talk about the, the third and fourth albums by uh, that band that never turn up, The Doors. Yeah. Um, and the first, first of those is, is Waiting for the Sun, which is the third one, which was recorded in July 68. It was a number one album and it had a number one single from it as well. So very successful. Um, the Soft Parade came about a year later, um, but was a completely different sound. So in a, in a way, the Waiting for the Sun was the end of the first period of The Doors, if you like. Um, so they... I'm not a huge Doors fan. I don't think you are either. Um, but it seems to me that they're one of those bands that uh, have one really good album in them, which was their first album, and then then it sort of diminishing returns thereafter. Second album's all right, I think. Uh, I don't know it very well. Third album is is kind of thought as being not very good, um, and then the fourth album is also felt as not being very good either. Um, and I suppose it's down to the fact that um, Jim Morrison, um, on one level, was suffering and fighting alcoholism, and on another level, wasn't the poet he thought he was. Um, and the, the sort of there are examples of really terrible lyrics across both these albums. I think um, the recording of them, I think of both albums, was quite difficult for the band because Morrison was uh, his alcoholism was worsening, and he just had to do take after take. I think I read somewhere that each song on Waiting for the Sun took at least 20 takes. And uh, Five to One, which is perhaps the best-known song from the album, well, second best-known song perhaps from the album, um, he was actually supposedly held up, uh, not, not, not somebody's making him late, but held up physically um, by studio assistants uh, during the recording of his vocals. And actually, if you, if you listen, he's, he sounds... Off his face. Well, I'll have to listen to that, bearing bearing that in mind, I suppose. Uh, yeah, yeah, what you said about the the first album, I, I just before we uh, started recording, I just looked at uh, our old favourite, the uh, the Rolling Stones poll from two thousand and three, the five hundred greatest <laughs> albums of all time, and yeah. uh, there were three Doors albums in that five hundred, but neither of the ones we're going to talk about feature. No. But the first album is number 42 so it's rated very highly it's one one place below never mind the bollocks and one one place above dark side of the moon and then la woman which i think was the last album right that's 364 and another one called strange days is quite low down 400 and something and the other the other three aren't on there at all 
Well, Strange Days was the second album, actually. Um, okay, right. Okay. But yeah, LA Woman is, uh, well, dreadful, really, I think. I think I would say that's their, definitely their worst album. Okay, right. Well, but anyway, I, what do I know? I don't really know much about The Doors. Um, but you're, you're a musician. Yes. Here's a, here's, a, here's a thing for you. So uh, the, the, uh, the keyboard player in The Doors, Ray Manzarek, is his yeah. name? Manzarek? Yeah. Zarek. Um, I don't think he's very good. I think I think he's he, he does one thing all the time, and when the song's decent, like on something like um, "Light My Fire," which was off the first album, yeah, you think, oh, it's great. But he does the same thing over and over again, and it's a bit boring. Well, what, that's that's my problem with the Doors is is that both these albums are a bit dull, really. Right. Well, we'll come back to what we think of the albums, but I'm not having that Ray Manzarek isn't a really really good musician because he is. <laughs> He is. Have you actually listened to those uh, no. little <laughs> that little bit he plays over the instrumental section of uh, Like My Fire? Yeah, really does. Yeah, but but then is there anything notable on this? I mean, honestly, yeah, yeah. There's the loads. and he's clearly a, a guy who knows lots of different types of music from the from the different styles that he plays because that's kind of classical influence. That 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 bit yeah. on the you know that arpeggiated bit on Light yeah. My Fire, but there's, yeah, yeah. He, he clearly is, is, is a very good jazz player as well, and he's clearly, uh, I can't think of an example, but it's, there's definitely are some on this, on this album, where he's, um, he's playing some quite experimental, sort of 20th century classical influenced parts, uh, okay. so no, well, no all, all the Doors are really good musicians. Um, except Morrison. All all the doors who play music who play musical instruments are really good musicians. Jim didn't play any musical instruments, but and apparently he he so he's quite good at coming up with melodies because a lot of the time uh, I read that that um, even though he doesn't play anything, uh, he's definitely got an ear for melody because they didn't really tell him what melodies to to sing over the top. Yeah. Uh, so he's bellow. Kind of I think, I think bellow. Well, on bellow, some songs, but on, on some other songs, you know, they, they've got catchy tunes. Uh, you mentioned you're not much of a Doors fan. I realised when I was um, preparing myself for this podcast, I've never actually listened to a whole Doors album in my whole life. <laughs> um, wow. My elder brother, who I've mentioned on this podcast before, but it, I don't know if you remember. You might have been a bit. You're a few years older than me, so. Um, maybe this passed you by a bit, but in the mid '80s, when I was fourteen-ish, there was a spate of sort of Vietnam films. You know, mm. the, the first uh, First Blood and Hamburger Hill and Platoon and Good Morning Vietnam. And my brother, who who was very, it was very unlike him because he really did just buy contemporary chart music, particularly electronic stuff like OMD and Yazoo and Depeche Mode. So, so but out of the out of nowhere he bought all these soundtrack albums to Hamburger Hill and Platoon and stuff like that. And mm. that had they all had Doors songs on because they're all set in Vietnam. Mm. And I remember he also had the Lost Boys soundtrack which had Echo of the Bunny Men's People Are Strange on it. So he then got a bit into the Doors, um, despite yeah. the fact that it, it was he didn't really listen to old music at all. Um mm. And he, I remember he had a book called No One Gets Out of Here Alive which as well. And he bought a tape called The Best of the Doors, which up until the last few weeks when I've been preparing for this, was really all the Doors music I'd ever heard pretty much. Um, right. So I, I, I know some of the songs from... Uh, well, I don't, I don't know that album, but I'm going to guess... Can I guess what songs are on it? Yeah, from sure. These albums? Yeah. 
Hello, I Love You will be on it. Yeah. Uh, five to One will be on it. Yeah. Uh, the Unknown Soldier. Yeah. Anything else? And one song from Soft Parade. Parade. One song from Soft Parade. And one more one from, from Waiting for the Sun. Although I have Touch no Me, maybe, from Soft Parade. Yeah, that's one. Yeah. And Spanish Caravan um, from Waiting for the Sun. Although I have absolutely no recollection of that being on it. I don't remember that. Um, but we listened to that tape a lot. Uh, and, I, and I thought then, as, as I still think now, that The Doors made some 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 exceptionally good songs of absolute towering genius, and they also made some songs that were just a bit of rubbish. Um, and at that time, I was particularly obsessed with two or three, well, three particular songs, all of which are quite long and weird. So I really like Riders on the Storm, L.A. Woman, and The End, and especially yeah. The End, because I was interested... Vietnam films had led us to watching Apocalypse Now many times, which is one of my yeah. favourite films, and uh, the ending of that film with the end playing is is, is just amazing. So they're quite yeah. a weird band, I think, because they're quite multifaceted. Like you said, like I was saying before about Ray Manzarek, the songs are sometimes pop, and then they're sometimes kind of standard late 60s blues rock. Mm. They're often quite experimental and psychedelic, but then there's also some jazzy bits. There's a clearly classically trained keyboard player knocking out some very baroque um, melodies here and there. So it makes it quite hard to define. There's, there's no sort of Doors sound, is there? Well, no, I would disagree there's no Doors sound. I think I think there is, but not, that's not necessarily the the best songs don't necessarily sound like the Doors. Well, yeah, so five, five <laughs> so to one. It's got kind of a so default position. Five to one, Roadhouse Blues, that kind of blues rock. If you imagine the Doors, then that's kind of what you think, isn't it? Yeah, Those I kind of so, songs. Yeah. And I, I, yeah. But that's not really the style of the songs that, of theirs that I like. No, which is a shame if that's your, that's your go-to sound. Um, yeah, but, but then you know. I also don't like... And I especially don't like um, when they try to do pop music. And, and and so going back to the albums we're supposed to be talking about, the opening song, Hello, I Love You, yeah. is... Yeah. I've never liked that song, uh, and, no. and I still don't like it. Um, I no. think it's just... Well, apart from the the fact that it rips off um, all day and all of the night, but it's nowhere near as good. It's also got really yeah. stupid lyrics. Yeah. Um, and it's just a it's just a stupid song, in my opinion. I t- well, I totally agree. I, I, in fact, I, I haven't called it stupid. I've called it ridiculous. Yeah. But but uh, it still got to number one. Yeah. Because people like ridiculous songs, don't they? Apparently so. Yeah. I, I I suspect that maybe at that period the Doors were popular enough that they could have released anything and it would have got to number one. Um, I don't know. Well, here's an interesting fact. So, so Mrs. O. Elves, who who basically knows what she likes. And uh, and doesn't really listen to very much else these days. Um, I asked her the other day, "Can you name three Doors songs?" Mm-hmm. And "Hello, I Love You" was one of them. Yeah. So, so I mean, I think if you think, what do people think the Doors sound like? Probably a bit like that. Yeah. Well, what were the others? "Light My Fire." Yeah. Uh-huh. And "Break On Through to the Other Side." Oh yeah. Okay. Which are both really good. They're really good. Really good. They're on the first album. They're on the first album, yeah. And I, see, the other thing I, I did, because I realised, well, I've never listened to a whole Doors album, so in preparation for this, I've listened to all of them. And I listened yeah. to them in chronological order. And I had this kind of preconception that they probably started off doing the sort of standard poppy songs, like Hello, I Love You, and then they probably got more experimental and weird as Jim had got more into the, the drugs and the alcohol and the shamanism and the poetry... And so, mm. so I was quite surprised to find that the end, 
uh, is off the first album. And The Crystal yes. Ship is off the first album. And they're quite yeah. weird and out there. Uh, I well, that... and their best, their best song, I'm going to tell you, their, their best song is neither of those, of course. Their, their best song is Peace Frog, which was off their fourth or fifth album, I can't remember which. Okay. And that, that one didn't make much of an impression on me in, in my listen to all the albums. But I did I did kind of think, like you said, the first album was was definitely my favourite, uh, yeah. followed by the second album. And then after yeah. that, I thought it was not so good. Not so good. Well, and, and anything of, of the difference between these two albums is that uh, Waiting for the Sun is still all the... The song credits are all The Doors. Yes, um, and then and then on the next one on on uh, the soft parade, people are named uh, individually. So Robbie Krieger gets quite a few song credits, and I and I and I wondered whether they they wanted to distance themselves from Morrison's doggerel. I don't know. Or I wondered. I mean, that might be a, um, a sign that maybe the songs were less written in the studio with all four of them playing together. Um, because, like you say, yeah, the, 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 the second album we're going to be talking about, The Soft Parade, has got four songs credited to Jim Morrison, four songs credited to Robbie Krieger, and one which is credited to both of them. Now, quite apart from the fact, well, how did Morrison write songs and music <laughs> when he couldn't write, he couldn't play... Well, you've heard the songs, right? <laughs> uh, and, and so there are, yeah, like you say, no full band co-writes. And I think to the, to the detriment of the album... Because some of the best bits on the on the first of the albums we're going to be talking about are, are the band playing. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, let, let's get into this then. So, so okay. we, neither of us like "Hello, I Love You." Yeah. Um, but I think there are some decent songs on the first side of "Waiting for the Sun." Yeah. Um, uh, let's start. Can I, we talked about "Not to Touch the the Earth," which um, is a, a weird song because it's it's a, an extract from what was originally going to be a side length song. Uh, the celebration of the lizard, uh, which came out much later, um, but they ditched the idea of, of that. But this is a part of it. I really like that. I'm not, I'm not sure that, that that's a very popular view, but I think not to touch the earth is is pretty neat. Me too. Um, and, and it's I, got and really the... good guitar and drums on it. Um, the doors don't have a bass player, do they? But the bass playing on this is good. Yes, but they sometimes have a bass player. Um, sometimes played by Robbie Krieger, or sometimes they get a session person in. Um, okay. so, well, so, so there is bass on some of their records. Um, I, I like it as well, and, and I, as well as listening to the six studio albums, I also went and listened to one called Absolutely Live, which has got the whole of that celebration of the lizard thing. There's this, this sort of seven section uh, mm. thing, which starts and ends with spoken word, uh, and and it's quite good. I got, I, I get, I've got quite into it, listening to a whole seven section part of it. Um, but the not to touch the earth section is definitely the most conventional part of it. Mm. Uh, but even then, it's not that conventional. It's 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 quite no. weird and goes off in unexpected places with the organ and the drums in particular uh, playing yeah. some nice stuff. Uh, but yeah, I, I've got quite into the whole part of it, which is kind of almost the finale of that uh, absolutely live album. They they then they go off and they come back on to do one song on the encore. So it, I don't know if that was a common thing that they closed their gigs with this very extended poetic thing. And, and, and I know you were making fun of Jim Morrison's lyrics before, and and mm. and with justification in some cases. But I also think there are times when. Uh, when he, it, it, he does some good stuff, particularly if you think about the context around it, 
you know, the name of the band being the Doors of Perception, they were into uh, taking hallucinogenics long before, um, you know, the Beatles. They were into meditation and all that kind of stuff long before any of our, any of their contemporaries were. Um, mm. And if you view some of these lyrics as a sort of invocation or in, invitation to accept that the world that we experience is not possibly the reality, but that there are other realities or that the psychedelic realm may be a place we could all dwell in and be happier, then the, quite a lot of the lyrics make a lot of sense in that in that frame. <laughs> okay. But without yeah. without well, that frame they just sound like st- stupid um so, I mean stupid. not not yeah. that we are not that we are suggesting that you try this at home but ba- basically you're saying that if you want to appreciate the doors get on some acid sharpish. Not necessarily. No, I was I haven't been in that state when I've been listening to any of these albums. But you know, so an example. Say. So that in that long section before you get to Not To Touch The Earth on the live album, there's a, there's a nursery rhyme-like song called A Little Game, uh, which is, you know, the, 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 the tune of it is very much like a nursery rhyme. And, it, and it, 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 once I had a little game, I like to crawl back into my brain. I think you know the game I mean. I mean the game called Go Insane. Now, you should try this little, little game. Just close your eyes, forget your name, forget the world, forget the people. Uh, close your eyes, See, no way to lose, release control, we're breaking through. So if, if yeah, I, I realise, yes, you're going to say that's stupid. And it is stupid. No, I'm not going to say it's stupid, but, I'm going to say it's terrible poetry. And, and, and I think the problem is, is that, is that Morrison thought getting lines to rhyme made it poetry. And that's not the case. I, mean, yes, I, I think that, yes. that you, say, you, you quoted there is, is something, you know... A fifth former could write. It is, because he's too hung up on rhyming. OK, well, I'll give you another example from later on yeah. in that piece uh, where he's talking about the, the hill dwellers, the quiet, unearthly presence of the gentle hill people, reptiles abounding, fossils, caves, cool air heights, each house repeats a mould, windows rolled, beast car locked in against morning. It's a bit more beatnik poetry, that, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, yeah. D- uh, he goes on to talk about daughters smug with semen and eyes in their nipples. <laughs> uh, well, yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's a lot below the waist, isn't it? And, and did, did, did he get his willy out in this concert? Uh, no, I don't think so. No, that was somewhere else. That was New Haven, I think. I'm not sure. Yeah. And in, anyway, it, it's, it's debatable whether he did anyway. I, oh, is it? Think, I, think, I think it's debated whether he actually did. But is, uh, it, is, it, is it debated by a lot of people? I don't know. I don't know. What, I mean, is it mass debated is what I'm asking you? Oh, I see. That's yeah, very nice. I see what you've done there. Anyway, <laughs> should we get back to talking about the songs? Yeah, so side one yeah. of um, Waiting for the Sun. Yeah, yeah. I, I also like Not to Touch the Earth and the two songs that come after that as well. Summer's Almost yeah. Gone is very nice. Um, yeah, nice slide guitar on that. I particularly yeah. like that, and the and the organ is actually quite good. Kind of a melancholy feel to the organ well, playing the, there. The verses are kind of a minor key blues, mm. very much. It sounds like a sort of forefather of uh, Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds in the nineties. Songs like Red Right Hand is mm. is, is very similar mm. to that. Um, mm. But then in the the other part, well, I don't know if you want to call it a chorus. I'm not sure it is a chorus, but it goes off into some more unexpected places melodically and harmonically, uh, which is makes it stop it stops it from being as boring as some of the other songs are when they just <laughs> when they're music musically quite pedestrian, particularly yeah. on the soft parade. Um, but this this yeah. one's definitely not musically quite pedestrian. It goes like I say, it goes to quite some interesting places. 
yeah, yeah, no, I, I agree. I think I think that's all right. And, and, and wintertime love uh, is kind of, I mean, I, I hesitate to use the the word, but charming, could you say? Yeah, um, yeah, it's it's quite sweet, isn't it? It's like a little baroque waltz, isn't it? Yeah, I like that one too. Yeah. I like that one too. Mm. Uh, and and I like the unknown soldier, although I think the. Mm. You know, again, the, the the he's got a bit hung up on the uh, on the on the the fact that it needs to rhyme. Uh, Terrible lyrics, yeah. Um, but and, and and I think the marching section in the middle with the samples of what sounds like a military execution. Um, yeah. I mean, he, he can make the points he's trying to make about war and soldiers and Vietnam, perhaps a little more subtly than needing to actually have that. <laughs> In the middle of the song, well, I, th- uh, I think the, the yeah the, the lack of subtlety is is something you could say about his vocals as well. But but I do quite like the bellowy vocals at time to time. But I think the whole album of it is a bit is a bit much. Yeah, yeah it's all right. It's not a, not a favourite song of mine. Uh, Love Street is terrible, by the way. I, I don't know if we're going to go back to that. But, uh, yeah, um, music. Yeah. I, mean, I quite like the music, but yeah, it, it's apparently uh, um, based upon uh, a place called the Rothdale Trail, just off. Mm. Um, Laurel Canyon Boulevard, where they used to sit and they used to watch the um, Jim and his girlfriend Pamela Corson used to sit and watch the hippies walking by, uh, mm-hmm. and she she lived there. She lived on uh, Laurel Canyon Boulevard. So um, yeah, the, the songs were just a little pop song, isn't it? Yeah, but, uh, the yeah. Were absolutely dreadful. I quite like if it was an instrumental, I'd quite like it. The band, the band yeah. are swinging. Um, yeah, yeah, no, I'd give you that. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's fair. That's fair. So I bet you like the instrumental bit at the beginning of Spanish Caravan as well. Well, I've got some history with that one, uh, that song, yeah. because uh, when I was at university in Liverpool doing my music degree, we had mm. some, some... In preparation for this podcast. Yes, exactly. Some of the um, models modules on my degree were compulsory <laughs> performance mod- modules, and you had to do so- at least some parts of it which had to do group performance. Um, and there was a young lad who, uh, who was on my uh, course who was a really amazing classical guitarist, um, uh, and he'd never played with any other musicians at all. He'd only ever played sort of solo classical guitar stuff, and he didn't know any music that wasn't classical music apart from Spanish Caravan by the Doors. So, so we <laughs> formed a little group, and I was I was playing the organ part, him him on the keyboard, another fella singing. Well, it's nice and simple, isn't it? The organ parts. It's the really doors. not. <laughs> it's really not simple. It's quite. It, it was. It was um, pushing. You know, I, I had to practice it quite a lot. It's not the kind of thing I could just busk. Um, yeah. So I have a soft spot for that song, particularly the bit halfway through where where it where the guitar gets um, they put on the distortion pedal on the guitar and go do 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 that bit. Uh, yeah, so I've got a bit of a soft spot for that song. I don't know if it's a particularly good song, uh, but I, I like the like ins- I like the instrumental bits. Yeah, yeah, I quite I I I do quite like that. I think it sounds sounds interesting. So you you said before you liked songs on side one. So are you suggesting there's quite a drop-off on side two? Well, the, the, the only two songs... Well, uh, well yeah, My Wild Love I really don't like. I find that really, really dull and, and a bit odd. And, and I don't know what the band's trying to do with the, those sort of vocal sounds things, but it, it sounds a bit silly to me. Um, so I don't, I don't like that. Jim was very yes, into Native American stuff, wasn't he? Sorry? He was very into Native American stuff, wasn't he? And that's, uh, is that what that is? Um, well, it went, as, as a kid, he, he saw... A car accident uh, with some uh, with some injured Native Americans, or possibly I think even dead Native Americans, and he um, he I think he claims, or at least the the film of the Doors, the the Val Kilmer film, 
seems to suggest that the spirits of those uh, uh, Native Americans goes into Jim. Um, and Jim certainly told the story that way, although other family members uh, have put some doubt on the, uh, you know, the veracity of, the, of that whole story. So, yeah, I, I'm not, it's, quite, it's quite interesting to begin with, but it, goes, it gets quite dull after a while, I think. My, no, I think it is dull, and, and I think the next song's dull as well. Very repetitive. Yeah, uh, yeah. Although, although this is We Could Be So Good Together. Yeah, I mean, that's the, that's the lyric, isn't it? Um, but the guitar solo is good on that. I like the guitar playing. It, it, it's all well played, this album. So, yeah, I don't really like We Could Be So Good Together. Where do you stand on Yes, The River Knows? I've changed my view on that, because I, I think if you'd, if you'd asked me before I'd gone back and listened to the album again and again, it wouldn't have been a song that stood out. But actually, I've, I've warmed to it. Um, I quite like it. I, and I like, I like <clears throat> having said that uh, the, the keyboard playing is a bit boring throughout, I like it on this. Uh, and I think it, I think the it sounds all right. I mean, it's it's just a, a pretty little song. Um, I don't know how how deep it is, but it's, yeah, it's all right. I don't mind it at all. Yeah, I, I, it's my favourite on the album. In fact, it's my oh, favourite really? on, okay. on both these albums we're going to talk about. And uh, I, I don't never heard the song before, but um, yeah, it's a bit slow and jazzy. The piano playing yeah. is is fantastic. Uh, mostly written by Robbie Krieger, this one apparently. But the the um, it's very unusual. I tried to to um, be play, learning it on the piano. And uh-huh. it's really, you know, well, I've got, I've got a list here of the chords. You normally, most songs, you know, four, five, six chords, most, most sort of rock songs or pop songs. This one, it's got A and A minor, B, B7 and B minor. So it's very unusual to have the same chord, the major and the minor, in, in the same song. Very unusual. And it, and it, it does it one, two, three... Four times in this in this song. Uh, C, D minor, D major, E and E major seventh, and E with a flattened seventh, which is again very unusual to have those two chords in the same song. F, F sharp major, and F sharp minor, and G and G sharp minor, all in one song. So it's uh, it is really difficult to play. In that order? No, not in that order. No, I've I've put them, <laughs> I've put them in in their sort of order that you, that you would play them on the so keyboard. So you play the right simplify. the right chords, but in the wrong order. Not necessarily in the right order. Yeah. <laughs> so um, yeah, I, I, I'm I'm going to keep going, trying to learn that because I, I really like it. I can't I can't play like Rayman's wreck uh, because contrary to what you said before, he's really good. At <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, five to one, which is 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 the kind of the I think song most. Do most people know? I, yeah. I like the shouting bits in it, and, and no one gets out. No one, no one here gets out alive. That's really neat, isn't it? And so it's, it's sort of a, it's an intoxicated Morrison shouting bombastically over a blues rock song. Yeah, which is, and I think the, right. it's, it's kind of a little bit lyrically. It reminds me of um, the times they are a changing because it's basically a song about get out of the way because if you can't lend a hand, you, you know, the, your sons and your daughters are beyond your command, all that kind of stuff, because it's the old get old, the young get stronger. Uh, they've got the guns, but we've got the numbers. We're going to win, we're taking over. So it's basically saying, right, you know, the youth are, are going to be taken over because we've got, there's more of us than you. Uh, well, I think, I think the, the, it sounds chaotic, which, which is its appeal for me. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I quite like that one. Uh, I, I ne- have never really listened to the lyrics. That was on the, the my, my brother's Best of the Doors, but never really listened to the lyrics before. So up until I did listen to the lyrics in the last couple of weeks, I just thought five to one. I thought it was about betting. But it's not. <laughs> it's not, nothing, not. Not nearly lunchtime. Nothing to do with bet. Or, yeah, or, or what time it is. 
Yeah. Yeah. Well, the, yeah. the next album is it was was definitely a change, wasn't it, in terms of sound? And and I think uh, right from the very start, so right the the beginning of the first song, you tell all the people, uh, which is a Robbie Krieger song. Uh, I mean, it starts with blaring horns and yeah. uh, and strings and and all that sort of stuff in there. There's a lot of that. Um, there's a lot of brass, isn't there? Yeah, there's a quite lot of, a lot of strings yeah. on the album. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the thing I would say is that the idea of, of following Jim Morrison down anywhere is probably not to be recommended. No, no, he hated this song. Uh, I did. He? Well, I like it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's all right. It's quite catchy, catchy brass yeah. songs. But um, yeah, I, I, there's not much. There's not much on this album that I like, if I'm honest. Um, no. uh, I, I quite like the song "Touch Me." Uh, but mainly because yep. it just reminds me of uh, Jack Black singing it in uh, in this in the film School of Rock, uh, and it's it's the drumming's really good on on Touch Me. Uh, um, but yeah, generally speaking, I can't. For, I haven't got that much to say about this album uh, apart from the last song. I like I like the last song, which is another sort of eight and a half minute epic. Uh, yes. this album's the end, if you like. Um, we've spoken. It's at the end of this album. Yes, it's got a kind of spoken word section at the start, uh, and, yeah. and then a sort of strange, almost disco part where he sings about peppermint and miniskirts. It's a bit Frank That's Zappa. Terrible, a bit. Yeah. Yes, yes. Yeah. But then the rest of the song, uh, it's got that part where it says the monk bought lunch, right, which is about halfway through, and then the yeah. rest of the song is kind of trippy psych rock with some really good guitar and organ. Uh, yeah. And I really like that, and it, and the lyrics lyrically, it's going off almost stream of consciousness consciousness stuff, a bit like some of those bits in the end that I like, where he's singing "Come on, baby, take a chance with us," and "Meet me at the back of the blue bus," and all that stuff. Uh, so but you the cannot petition, half, the, cannot petition the Lord with prayer. You cannot like petition the Lord with prayer. No, that, yeah, that 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 bit's silly um, uh, when he starts shouting about that. No, it's the second half of it I like. Once it, once he gets yeah. going, once the band start playing properly, and the no, fact that no, I, I don't like that song at all, right. I have to say. But, but uh, I I do like um, touch me. I do like tell all the people. I also like uh, wishful sinful. I think that's all right. Um, I think uh, the lyrics are rubbish, obviously. Um, but I like the uh, the music on that. The, 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 the strings, musicality. the strings and the brass on that again. It sounds a bit forever changes. Yeah, um, exactly. I, I, I'm going to going to put my head on the block here. I think it's an oboe solo. Uh, but I like that one. They 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 idolised love, didn't they? We talked about this a little yeah, bit on our yeah. episode on Forever Changes. The Doors started off by going to see Love, and they absolutely idolised them, and then they ended up sort of mm. commercially eclipsing them. Yeah, I, I I quite like Wishful Sinful. Uh, there's some songs on here that are just very forgettable. I think. Um, what about well running running blue, running blue running blue yeah uh, that's got violin on it which is I think the first time and it's a tribute um, to Otis Redding that one apparently um, so yes Otis was quite yeah. an idol of Jim Morrison's and Otis died in 1967 just before a show at the Winterland Theatre in San Francisco and then the Doors replaced him as the headliners of that festival. Yeah, the bill, the bill of that concert, so these concerts ran between Christmas and New Year in 1967, and the bill was pretty spectacular. Uh, so it would have been Otis Redding, and then The Doors, Chuck Berry, Big Brother and the Holding Company, that's Janis Joplin, isn't it? Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Quicksilver Messenger Service, 
and a band called Salvation, who I who I don't know. And and on, on, at that concert, Jim sung those four opening lines um, of what would later become the intro to this song. Poor old Otis, dead and gone, left me here to sing his song. Uh, which I, I, as a Deep massive, man. massive man. Otis Redding fan, I, I find that a little bit presumptuous of Jim to cast himself as the rightful heir to Otis's incredible music. Well, what you're forgetting is that the, the words rhyme. And uh, and actually, that there's there's more excellent rhyming stuff from uh, from the morrow on uh, on Wild Child, uh, which uh, is really annoying. Right, uh, the spoken word part in the middle was written by his um, his girlfriend Pamela Corson. So that's the only bit of the lyrics that's quite good. The bit that says an ancient <laughs> lunatic reigns <laughs> yes. in the trees of the night with hunger at her heels. Um, I thought you might like Easy Ride because it's one of those songs with sort of uh, big top uh, circusy music vibes to it, which you tend to like. Well, yeah, so but it's then, then it's quite interesting uh, poetic lyrics, and it hints at something quite dark going on there, possibly some kind of satanic thing going on there. But then the music mm. is kind of really light-hearted country rock and doesn't fit with that those lyrics mm. at all. So no, I, I didn't. I didn't like that didn't one at all. And uh, Shaman's Blues. That's that's that's. See, that, you could say that Shaman's Blues is is an archetypal Doors song. If you if you were of the mind that the Doors are really boring with shit lyrics. Yes. Yes. Uh, did you stop to consider how it will feel? A cold, grinding, grizzly bear jaws hot on your heels. Uh, <laughs> is, 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 is that's my. Well, no. I mean, I think if uh, stopping to consider it would be a mistake, wouldn't it? If the if the well also if if the cold grinding why are the grizzly bear jaws cold I I don't think grizzly bear jaws would be cold um, no. when they they could have had an ice cream but there's a nice little instrumental break in there with on the keyboards uh, Ray Manzarek great great musician followed by that little bit uh, which spoils it um, well because yeah. you said you quite like the ad lib bit uh, in in like in the end and we presumably yeah. ad lib and uh, I I think some of these lyrics sound ad-libbed and and you know bearing in mind his his increasingly erratic behavior and and struggle with alcoholism it's probably true to be that these haven't been thought through much before they're sung into a microphone before yeah. it falls over yeah um, which oh, is yeah, you know this is bad but yeah and the other the other and going back to the otis reading thing uh, the, the 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 song running what was it called running blues or something the, the otis reading yeah. tribute it says yeah, in there blues. it says um I've got the running blues, running away, back to L.A., OK? So he's going back mm. to L.A. I've got to find the dock of the bay, or maybe mm. I'll find it back in L.A. But mm. Otis Redding clearly states in the song Dock of the Bay that he's left his home in Georgia and he's heading for the Frisco Bay, So it's, it, which yeah. is, you know, a good four or 500 miles up the coast from Los Angeles mm. um, mm. And, and, and in San Francisco, a city well-known. World famous, in fact, for its wharf and dock area. Well, I, I thought, well, that's really stupid because LA is not known for it's, it's well known for lots of things for Hollywood and films and its big roads and its beaches, and it's not well known for docks, is it? No. Does it even have no. docks? I've no idea. Well, well, I I had no idea, so I I spent a bit of time on Google Maps finding out, and yeah. I actually found out that I was wrong because the port of Los yeah. Angeles. In, in, in Los Angeles, is the 17th busiest container port in the world and the busiest in the USA. And it handles well, 20% of all incoming cargo for the US. Mm. And do you know what the second busiest um, port in uh, in the USA is? 
New York? No, it's the port of Long Beach, California, which is right next to the port of Los Angeles. Mm. So both the first mm. and the second largest ports uh, are in Los Angeles. So they're the 17th and 21st busiest container ports in the world. So, uh, right. so maybe... Fair play, then. Yeah, fair play, although I still uh, stick to the point that, that Otis specifically mentions San Francisco Bay in that song, yeah. so if, well, good good research there. So thank yeah. and thank you for that. Yeah. I do, I well, I, I like to so, che- I like to check my facts. Yeah, you are the, my fact checking cuz. Indeed, yes, yes. <laughs> I like the fact you seem to <laughs> somehow crowbar that little line into most of the podcasts we do. <laughs> I think if 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 you asked most Jaws fans, uh, I think they would put the Soft Parade as their least favorite album. I'm gonna I'm gonna say that it's it's better than L.A. Woman. Uh, but I haven't listened to L.A. Woman for quite some time, so I might be wrong. But uh, I certainly don't think it's as good as um, the other one, Waiting for the Sun, of these two. So in terms of the scores I'm giving them, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give the Soft Parade a, a solid four okay. and, and Waiting for the Sun a, a 4.5. OK. Uh, well, I agree with you that Waiting for the Sun is better than Soft Parade. Um I don't really. I only really like "Touch Me" and the second half of "Soft Parade" on on the "Soft Parade." Um, whereas on "Waiting for the Sun," I really like "Yes, the River Knows," "Summer's Almost Gone," "Not to Touch the Earth," "The Unknown Soldier," mm. "Spanish Caravan," "The Wintertime Love." Uh, I don't really like "We." I really don't like "Hello, I Love You," and I don't really like "We Could Be So Good Together." But apart from that, I quite like all of it. Um, so I'm going for five for Waiting for the Sun and three for the Soft Parade. Mm. So I've just got okay. a bigger... So we're kind of in agreement then. Yeah. And, and in terms of the albums that you... The other albums you listen to, you, you're going to say that... The, do they get... The first album I mean, they was get the best one, worse, right? then the second one, yeah. and I've got a bit of a soft spot for the live one, absolutely live. Um, okay. Although it doesn't have the end on it, so it would be better... Does it have Peace, do they play Peace Frog on the live album? No, that's not on there, no. No, I also, you know, you mentioned L.A. Woman a couple of times. And, of course, in that song, uh, Jim Morrison uh, talks about Mr. Mojo Rising, which is famously um, an anagram of his name, uh, Jim Morrison. So I've I've spent a little bit of time coming up with some anagrams that the other members of the Doors could use. So uh, a pseudonym that Ray Manzarek uh, could have used he could have gone by the name Mr. Ezra Anarchy, which I That's quite good. Like. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, John Densmore, he, he could have been known as Dr. Moho Jensen. <laughs> uh, and Robbie Krieger, his name is quite difficult to get a sort of Mr. or a Doctor out of his name or a Sir or anything like that. So I've gone for a more Star Wars angle with him. So he's known as Obi Rick Berger. <laughs> yeah, so if, if you want to use those names, uh, John yeah. and Robbie... Uh, just give us a shout, uh, a small fee, and I will yeah. permit you to yeah. use those names. Yeah, excellent. Well, that's uh, again more excellent research done there for thank this, you, this podcast. You. Yeah. Um, so the next, the next one, uh, when we finally get round to it, and we do apologise to our listener that it takes so long to, for us to get together to do these things. Uh, we'll be looking at tape thirty-two, which has John Lennon's Plastic Ono Band album on it, uh, and. I'm really excited about this. Black Sabbath's Paranoid. Robert Pollard's Guide to the Late 60s is a Trust the Wizards production. You can find out more at pollard60s.com and on Twitter at pollard60s. If you liked it, then please subscribe and review wherever you get your podcasts. 
You may also enjoy their other podcast, which you can find at trustthewizards.com. Original music by the Malibu Storks. Kika Revelves and Chorizo Garbanzo are currently appearing in Waiting for Godot at the Mail Theatre in Leeds.